Welcome to World Harvest Church. Is everybody awake? Everyone's good? I'd like you to turn in your Bibles. We're going to jump into it here. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 40, 28. Isaiah 40, 28. Do you have Isaiah in your Bible? Isaiah 40, 28. You know, uh, Benjamin challenged me with his testimonies. He's been sending me testimonies, and, and I like to witness. But he's, it's, you know, God will do that in a body to encourage people. Right? Are you there yet? Isaiah 40? Isaiah 40? Everyone over here there? Isaiah 40? All right, we're not going to use that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Look at this. You ready? Isaiah 40, 28. I'm, I'm having fun with a cameraman today. <laughs> Here it is, Isaiah 48. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, say the Lord. Now watch this, the creator of the ends of the earth. Neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He's trying to explain that the God that we serve, he's just not some common, uh, you know, figure. He's not a totem pole. He's not a, a statue. He's not a false God and a false religion. He's saying here, have you not heard? Who God is? You ever have an encounter with God and then you say, surely I'll never doubt God again? <laughs> I watched a lady's tumor on her neck. I watched this in South America. I watched it. It looked like a, a half an egg hanging off her throat right here. The glory of God was there. We were praying for people and we never even touched her. I looked up and I thought, ooh, to be honest, we're praying for people, people falling under the power of God. The sweet presence of God was so heavy, people would just weep in His presence. You ever been in those meetings? Ended up praying for this person, I turned back and I looked at her, and the thing was gone, and she was bawling. The presence of God itself, God came and touched her without anybody touching her. Isn't that amazing? I remember thinking, Surely I'll never doubt God ever again. Surely. You ever been there? And then next week happens. You get a flat tire. Oh, God has forsaken me. He's saying here, look at this. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the, the, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. In other words, the God that we serve is so powerful, so unfailing, 
so dynamic that anything can happen when you have faith in Him. That's why it's important to spend time with the Lord every morning. It resets your day. The Bible says that His mercies are new every morning. Aren't you glad? Because yesterday, sometimes we got mad in traffic. We got upset with someone. We might have sinned. We might have done something that we shouldn't have. And God says, my, nurse, my, my mercies are new every morning. I can get up and declare the forgiveness, the grace, the love, the mercy of God every day and start brand new. Amen. Isn't that good? The blood works for today, it works for tomorrow, it worked for yesterday. The blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin. Woo. Now look at this, verse 29, are you there? It's good to use our Bibles. I use my computer a lot, I use my phone. I like when I'm getting ready in the morning, I like to put the Bible on where it reads it to you. I like that. Why not? Get some in your soul. So I like to read the Bible, but then, like I say, just when I'm just messing around, I like to put it on. It's feeding my soul. The Bible, if you have a Bible, this Bible is supernatural. I like to take vitamins, especially as I'm uh, just getting out of my youth a little bit. Because they, they feel the need that my body has. Because what the world can't give me, I need supplements and things to make up for that. What the world can't give me, the Bible is supernatural, and it gives you the supplements that you need to energize you for the day. Amen. Say amen. amen. All right, now look what this says here. Are you, are you with me yet? If somebody's sleeping next to you, just let them sleep in the Lord. Verse 29, he gives power to the weak. He gives what? Power. I want you to take this and put it in your own life and says he gives power to the weak. When I'm weak, he gives me power. This is so true. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. That's why Paul, when he was in prison, he actually could touch the whole world. Every letter was so anointed that it dripped with the presence of God. People would come to him. Can you imagine going down into this stinky cellar, and there's a man that's just glowing with the glory of God? And he gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Verse 30, even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those, wait, let's go to verse 31. You need to circle this. You need to write it on a paper, put it in your car, because we're going to declare this. But those that wait on the Lord, those that what? Wait on the Lord. See, we read these sometimes and we don't understand the power of some of these scriptures. But those that wait on the Lord 
What is he going to do? He's going to renew their strength. How many here need some strength? How many need a touch from God? How many need something in your life from God today? How many need a healing from God? It says here that those that wait upon the Lord, he will renew their strength. I was listening to an interview this is, that happened some times ago. I was actually reading it about the interview. And uh, Christ for the Nations, was it Gordon Lindsay that started that? What was his wife's name? I love you, man. <laughs> Mrs. Lindsay. What was her name? I can't... Is, Frida. Well, they had been involved in many of the powerful moves of God through the years. Uh, they had known almost every one of those, you know, in the 40s and the 50s, they had these powerful moves of God. People would set up tents, and people would come from all over the, the planet to pack out those meetings. Then the, the NBC and ABC got excited, and they would air these meetings on on early television. Can you believe that? They were on the radio. And one after another, people would get healed under the glory of God. And people would share these things. They were in the newspaper. This wasn't that long ago. And these men of God and these women of God, just they knew how to get a hold of the throne of God, you know? And God used them to spur faith in the community and get them excited and to win their friends to Christ. God used them. And they asked Frida, they said, uh, what was the secret? You met all these different men. You met these women, these people that dripped with the anointing of God. What was the secret? And she said, I know the answer to that. I don't even have to think about it. She said, quietness. They knew how to sit and wait on the Lord until he would show up. It's a lost art. You ever go to pray and because we're so trained by media, we have to fidget with our phone every two minutes. Even if we're not looking up something, we just got to play with it. Because the thumb just kind of takes off on its own. <laughs> now watch this. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. We all go through those things, right? That's what he's saying. We're going to go through those things, those valleys. We're going we're gonna to have to face sickness. We're going to have to face uh, times that... Our finances seem to, to uh, have problems, family life issues. Man, I hate that. You know, some relative gets in a fight with that relative. And, you know, all those things, they can be so draining on our life. But he says here, the great secret to all of this, the great secret to all of this is this. But those that wait on the Lord, he shall renew their strength. 
and they shall mount up with wings as eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. God wants to teach this church the secret of waiting on the Lord, the secret of his presence. I remember in college, I've shared a little bit of these stories, but it was funny. The Lord reminded me this morning. But I would, I would walk the parking lots of the college. This is my first and second year. I'd go out and I'd walk these parking lots at night, and, and I was just trying to get a breakthrough from the Lord. And I would spend time, and other people would go off, and sometimes we'd do fun things. But a lot of times I would take my evenings, and I would walk the parking lots. And it was dark out there, and then later I found out that the rattlesnakes would come in off the fields and they'd lay across the parking lots and because uh, they were warmer or something. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. We used to have tarantulas down there. One of, the, one of the jobs I had was I would do electrical work and uh, I would crawl up in the attics of a lot of the buildings on campus and just inspect and all that. And, and they had those black widows. Sometimes they'd fall on your shirt or something, you know, and these big tarantulas, that would, I'm glad I moved to Wisconsin. <laughs> Remember the cockroaches down there? They had those big water bug ones, and you'd get close, and then they, you'd think you could, like, whack it and kill it, and you get just about to it, and it takes off, and it flies at you. I've seen grown men do a flip in the air. So I'd walk the parking lots at night, and I just felt this draw of the Lord. It was like he wanted to, he wanted to teach me something. You know, there's a, a, when, when we're trying to get into the deep glory of God, there are levels of his presence that you can enter in. And through the cross, when Jesus died, the veil was torn, and he's given us full access today, but not all of us access He said, you can boldly enter. What is he saying? You can boldly enter. That means you might not be entering. Amen? There are levels to his presence, but those levels are kept for seekers because seekers will be finders. So I'm out there and I'm walking these parking lots and and I'd be praying, and, and at different times I'd feel the presence of God, sometimes after an hour, sometimes two hours. The presence of God would begin to invade, and I'd start to feel his presence. And in that time is where the Lord would speak to me in my spirit. And he'd give me guidance, and he'd give me direction, and give me hope, and he'd encourage me, and give me faith for things. But it was in that time of waiting on him... Because waiting isn't just waiting. Waiting is actually knocking and, and entering into a place with his presence where he can uh, speak to you. You guys okay? I like this scripture. And they shall renew their strength, and they will mount up with wings of eagles, and they will run and not be weary, and they will walk and not faint. So the Lord was teaching me. He's teaching me. He was saying, if you learn how to seek me, I can give you a breakthrough later. And, and I'm out there, and I'm walking these parking lots, and I'm, I'm learning the presence of the Lord. And you know that there, the resistance isn't always the devil. A lot of times the resistance of 
moving in the deep things of the spirit is not always the devil, but it's the flesh man. Watchman Nee did a lot of writing on this. Um, he talked about the flesh and how it can be a barrier. And when we allow the flesh to be broken down, we can enter into the spirit. And the flesh can be a great hindrance to the deep glory of God. Anyone here ever wrestle the flesh? <laughs> you wake up in the morning, you're like, yes, praise God. You get out of bed, you know. I don't usually do that. I, I somehow I, I like, like slide out of bed, and then I slide all the way to the coffee pot. <laughs> but the flesh can be the great hindrance. Here's the, the, the trick, is the more I spend time in the presence of God, see, it's taken the flesh man, here's the flesh man, and it's dominating my life, but as I spend time in the presence of God and in the word, in prayer, I allow the spirit man to begin to dominate my life. And as I'm doing that daily, the spirit man is now in charge in my life, and the flesh man is at bay. Amen? Now, here's the secret. The more I do that, the easier it is. The more I do that, the quicker it is to get into the presence, into the glory of God. The more I hold back and the more I allow myself to live under the flesh man, the longer it takes to get into the presence, into the glory of God. Does that make sense? It's a real secret. So I'm out there and I'm, I'm seeking the Lord every day. And then the Lord began to speak to me. I heard the audible voice out there one day. Spoke to me. Scared me so bad. I actually jumped in the air and I went like this. You know, it's in the middle of San Antonio and south side's over there. And it scared me. My heart. Ooh, and he spoke to me. You'd think you'd never doubt God again. I remember... I was really, the Lord was teaching me the presence of the Lord. So I'd go out there and I'd seek the Lord and then really try to connect with Him. It didn't seem like every day that something was really happening, but then they asked me to speak on campus. I was finishing my, my public speaking class, and uh, I, was, I was picked to be one of the students to, to, you know, to bless the congregation, to bless the student body with my tremendous message from the Lord. You know what I mean? I was, I was a, a sophomore student living in the dorms. I wasn't married yet. So the Lord is teaching me His presence. Did you know that when you walk in the presence of God, Bill Johnson says this, when you walk in the Spirit, you get more breakthrough by accident than you ever would have on purpose. Anybody identify with that? You just stumble into goodness. When you're walking in the Spirit, He just comes in a divine way and He connects the dots for you. You get more breakthroughs by accident than you would have ever on purpose. So there I am. I'm learning to, to spend time with Him. 
I'm deepening my walk with him. They asked me to preach. I was so nervous. I, I was so shy back then. I'm not kidding you. I, I, I hated to be in front of people. And the Lord actually broke that off my life later. It was, it was a wonderful deliverance. I get up. I think I have a message. I had about nine index cards. I had all these thoughts on there. I'm waiting in the audience. I'm about ready to throw up. I'm not kidding you. I didn't even know my name. I started seeing spots. I'm like, oh, God. And then they said, you need to come up. And I'm like, left foot. <laughs> it was terrible. In my mind, I'm thinking I'm going to be Billy Graham. And I'm sitting there, and they called my name. I didn't even know who I was. It was awful. I got up there. I think they might have helped me. I don't know. I got up. And I got up behind the pulpit. I, was, I, I made the mistake. I looked up. And there's all my teachers. And there's the student body. And there I am, standing in my underwear. <laughs> standing there. And I remember, this is true. This is terrible. You ever been embarrassed? You ever been so embarrassed you never wanted to go back to that place again? This is that day. So there I am. I've got all my cards, and I was nervous, so I was fidgeting, and I realized that I was shuffling my cards. <laughs> my eyes were that big, and I looked out at the crowd, and I thought, I have nothing to say, and I don't know what to do. And I said, oh, God. And when I said, oh, God, see, I'm leaning back on the Lord. I was so nervous, I felt like my arms were going to break off. I was so tight. I was, I was so nervous. I said, oh, God. When I said, oh, God, the Lord said to me, he said this. He said, what did I speak to you this morning in prayer? And I said, God, you spoke two words to me. You said, press in. He said, I just want you to say that. I said, the Lord said to me this morning. I looked up. So I looked down, <laughs> and it's so funny because they thought the power of God was on me. They thought the presence of God. They thought I was choking up on, on stage, and I'm up there, and literally, I'm not kidding you. I'm, I'm standing there, and I'm scared to look up, and they thought I was crying. I was shaking. I said, Lord, what am I going to do? He said, remember what I spoke to you? I said, yeah. He said, say that. So I said, the Lord spoke to me this morning, and he said, he said two words. I didn't want to look up. <laughs> press in. And he said, say it again. I said, press in. He said, say it again. Press in. And then I just stood there with my eyes closed. And the Lord said, repeat it again. So I repeated again. About three times I did that. And uh, I kept my eyes closed. And all of a sudden I heard moaning and groaning. And I looked up and the student body and the staff were all around the altar bawling and weeping under the presence of God. 
They extended the chapel that day. They canceled class to allow people to seek the Lord. And the glory of God came. During this, I snuck out the back. I went out the back door. I went to the men's dorm. And I went into my bedroom and I laid on the bed. I put the pillow over my head. And I said, oh God, they're in revival. They think that was a word from God. And I made a commitment to the Lord. I said, I'll never do this again. If <laughs> I'm not kidding you. The power of God. You know, you'll get more breakthroughs by accident when you're walking in the Spirit than you would ever on purpose. It's such a secret to life to know the Lord. Do you know what they did? I was so embarrassed. They thought, they thought that this was, I'm telling you, God used it because he's good. And he'll use our messes. The end of the month, the International Bible College, Gazette, whatever it was called, the, the monthly news magazine thing, thingy, wasn't even, it was like eight pages. They have a pastor's, uh, they have an artist's drawing of a man on stage like this, and light coming out of him, and it says, the prophet has spoken. I went back to my dorm, went back to my bed, put my pillow over my head. The greatest secret in life is to know the presence of God. It's the greatest secret in life. I'd like you to turn to Matthew 7, 7 and 8. You'll get more breakthroughs by accident than you would ever on purpose. That's such a good word. Now look at this, Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Are you there? I was going to read it off my notes, but it's a different translation. Matthew 7, 7 and 8. This is so good. Verse 8, or verse 7. Ask, what should you do? Ask. And it shall be given to you. Seek, say seek, seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. Now watch this. Because Jesus, sometimes he'll make a statement, and then he'll clarify himself. So you have to read the whole body of text, you know. So it says here, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. This is a real key. He's trying to teach you something. He's trying to teach me something. There are depths of glory. There are depths of the presence of God that you have to go after. There are depths of the Spirit that only come through you seeking Him. Now watch this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Now watch this. Eight. 
For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. To him who knocks, it'll be opened. You know, he's actually uh, showing you there that there are three levels. That there are three levels to enter into in your time of prayer. Some people just ask. They just ask for stuff. Lord, help me with, you know, some new tires for my truck. That's good. We can go to him and we can ask him for things. And then he said there's this level of seeking that we seek him out. We worship, we praise, we seek him out. And he says that you will find. But there's another one that says, I'm not satisfied with that anymore. And it's, it's almost like this. It's a picture of the tabernacle where you have the outer court, where you had the brazen altar and the labor. And, and there you are, you're asking. But then you get in the, in the, in the holy place. Remember in the tent? There's the candle abram. Table of showbread, altar of incense. And there you're seeking. You're in a deeper place with Him. Much deeper than just going and asking. You're seeking. But then there's behind the veil, and that's the knocking. There's three levels that you can enter into, and the knocking is as learning to wait. You're waiting for him to open the door. You're, you're waiting on him to, to come in the room to allow his presence to come and fill you fresh again. How many want a deeper relationship with God? Man, I do. Come on. The beautiful thing is, it doesn't matter if the Bible says if you're a Jew or a Greek, if you're a male or a female, if you're rich or you're poor, it doesn't matter. The cross was the great equalizer. If you went to prison and you got saved, you have just as much access to the glory as Mark Netherland. Amen. You do. I want to I wanna go deeper with the Lord. I want to give you just a, a, another nugget here. Can I turn a corner just a little bit? You know, Paul, he talked in 1 Corinthians 9, he talked about disciplining the body. And, and it's a real key to the glory. We need to put the flesh man behind us, amen? And walk in the spirit. Here's Psalms 42. It says, he that, uh, I'm sorry. It says, like a deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after thee. And it's talking about moving and going after the Lord. Let's go to 1 Samuel 4. Here's a good chapter. 1 Samuel 4. Are you there? 1 Samuel 4. Here's the picture. Uh, Israel has kind of turned their back a little bit on God. And they're going to go into war against the Philistines. Who were the Philistines? 
Okay? Yes, thank you. That was deep. <laughs> That's right. They were the enemy of Israel in that area. And Israel, they thought to themselves, hey, we're going to take the Ark of the Covenant and we're going we're to take that into battle because if we bring the Ark into battle, then we'll win. That's like trying to cast a demon out with a cross. You know, just because you bring a religious symbol in, you think that that's going to release authority. And it's just not true. Authority has to do with my relationship with God. They take the ark in, they get, they get whooped. They lose the battle, and the Philistines take the ark of the covenant. This is a terrible thing. Uh, Eli and his sons, uh, uh, they, didn't, they hadn't been managing things too well. Uh, yeah, to say the least. Uh, they allowed sin to go on. They allowed all kinds of corruption to come in. And it's just a picture of living in the flesh. You know, we're trying to have spiritual breakthrough and we're living in the flesh. It just doesn't work. You know, we don't want to, you know, there's legalism where you can't do anything, but there's living in the flesh. That's another thing. I want my spirit man to dominate my life. So they go into battle they lose the ark, and this is terrible because uh, they, they lost the ark, it gets captured, then we know that, that um, uh, what is it, Eli's daughter-in-law has a child, and she calls the child Ichabod. The glory has departed. Now, what a time in, a, in that country to have... The central family, the judge over Israel at that time, Eli, his family produced a child that is Ichabod. There are families that have produced that. And there are other families that have produced great blessings of God. His lineage produced Ichabod. The glory departed. The glory departed to Israel because of him and his family. You guys okay? So here's the picture. The Philistines take the ark and they bring it back. And I think they lost the ark for 20 years. That's a long time. And it symbolized the presence of God. The Philistines take the ark and they bring it in. And they put it in their great shrine to Dagon. They're worshiping Dagon. They don't, Dagon, know what they're doing, you know? <laughs> they put the ark in the temple of Dagon. Now, the Philistines think, man, we whooped them. Their God ain't nothing. They take the ark and they put, you know, don't mess with God. This, this nation is not done. There are still, there's about 80% of 
uh, people that say that they're Christians in this nation, whether they're living like it or not, they're still believers. Amen? And there's a powerful remnant in this nation. Don't mess with America yet. Amen? This thing's coming back. Anyways, they put the ark in the temple of Dagon. And this was like a trophy to be able to put the ark of the covenant in front of Dagon. The people are celebrating. This is like a trophy. This is like, see, we have taken the presence, the, their symbol of the presence of God, and we put it in the temple of Dagon. And there he is. Uh, there's the presence of God, the ark of the covenant. Here's Dagon. Big statue, big fish kind of looking thing. Who would worship a fish? You got to be hard up for a god. Oh, you know, we tried the frog god and we tried the turtle god. Let's try the fish god. That'll work. So they, they take this big god and they put the ark in front of it. And when they shut the door, it says that... Uh, their great big huge huge statue fell over and it broke his head off so they come in and they're like oh my gosh they send him back up and they go out again and they come back and now his arms are broke off and his body's broke about to here and uh, that's a pretty good sign of defeat so they get really scared, and they said, oh, good Lord, we brought the presence, the very presence of God into our camp. See, they've got more faith than Israel at this time. So then they take the ark, and they put it in another part of, of uh, another city. I can't remember the name of the city. And when the ark comes into that camp, people start breaking out with tumors and there's like rats and things going on. The presence of God in your life can be so powerful. The presence of God in the enemy's camp can be a real negative. That's why it's so great when God takes a man of God or a woman of God and he puts him in the middle of a company like Google. And they become like the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. And God starts to do things through that individual to affect that company. They don't know what to do. They're breaking out with these tumors. They're like, oh my Lord, this all happened when we brought the glory in. That's why the devil hates the glory. You start worshiping, the devil leaves. He can't be in the glory. Here's a picture of what happens. When the glory comes into an evil place, things begin to happen. They said, we don't know what to do. This, this obviously is a problem. So they, they put it on a, they put the ark on a cart. And, and seven people tried to look inside of it. They said, what's the secret of this thing? And they opened it up and all seven died. They got really scared. The fear of the Lord will do something. They put it on a cart. And they sent it off with a bunch of gifts. They took and they, they said gold tumors and rats. I don't know what that looked like. And they sent it off to let Israel capture it again. So they, they find the ark and they're going to bring in the ark. David is excited. 
He's like, we're going to bring back the ark. Come on, we're going to do it. We're going to get the presence of God back in the middle of Israel. We're going to get the presence of God back in the church. We're going to get the presence of God back in the church. You ever been to a church with no presence? You're like, good Lord, what is this? I went to a funeral one time and I thought, it matches. It was so dead. It was unbelievable and it made me want to cry out to the Lord and say, God, I need you. Our church needs you. So they're excited. The Bible says that the Levites are the ones that are supposed to carry the presence. The Levites, they take poles and they put the ark on their shoulders and they're supposed to bring it in. The Levite family was a family, a lineage that handled the glory and handled the presence of God. They knew how to be caretakers of the glory. They knew how to bring it in and how to host it, the Levites. There's a lot to learn from the Levites. So they didn't do that. They put it on a cart, and they're going to bring in the ark into the camp. You guys with me? So they're all excited. They're having a celebration. And the ark is going to be brought from another city, and it's going to be brought into Jerusalem, and the glory is going to be restored. And here it is. It's on ark, on, on a cart. And Uzzah is there. He's a good man. He's walking with the cart. And one of the oxen stumbles, and the, the cart tips and out of reaction, he reaches up and he touches the Ark of the Covenant. And it says, the anger of the Lord fell upon Uzzah. Isn't that amazing? He's a good man. The anger of the Lord came upon Uzzah and he smote him. He took him. That's it. And David was very upset by this. But one of the things that happened was the fear of the Lord was restored that day. He started to realize this isn't a token. This isn't a religious symbol. This is the glory of God. And even though Uzzah was a good man, he tried to touch the glory. And God said, you can't touch the glory. David's upset. Now watch this. He takes the Ark of the Covenant and they find a man, they call him Obed-Edom. Now watch this. They take the ark, and they find Obed-Edom. Guess what lineage he's of? He's a Levite. He understands the presence of God. He understands the glory of God. He knows how to host the glory. And he says, you can sure bring the ark into my home. They bring the ark of God into the home of Obed-Edom. Can you imagine? The same ark that was causing the tumors, the same ark that caused the God to fall and smash, the same, and, and when, when Obed-Edom opens his home to the presence of God, the Bible says that God blessed everything that Obed-Edom did and blessed his lineage. When we learn to host the presence of God, 
God's blessing begins to overcome our life. Say amen. But we have to understand how to host it. It's not a flippant thing. You want levels of glory. There are levels of glory that you cannot sustain if you're a fleshly man. The house of Obed-Edom. Here's a, a beautiful thing here. We see that in Chronicles 26, it gives a picture of the lineage of Obed-Edom and many of the Levites that were able to host and to work around the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, they would have about 16 descendants, 16 family members that were able to enter in and take care of the Ark. But Obed-Edom, after his obedience the, the, and the blessings of God that came upon him, he had over 62 family members that were blessed of God because of his decision. Isn't that powerful? By hosting the presence of God and taking care of the glory, God greatly blessed Obed-Edom's lineage. It's quiet in this church. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus Christ came, was born of a child... He was the presence of God encapsulated in flesh. God blessed his whole family. God blessed Obed-Edom's family and lineage. The presence of God is the greatest secret there is to life. In Hosea 10, 12, it says, talking about the fallow ground, sometimes in our heart we become hard. And as we begin to seek the Lord daily, He breaks up the fallow ground of our heart so the glory can begin to permeate and penetrate. Just say amen. amen. Am, I, am I speaking to anybody here? Three things that the presence of God will do in your life. The presence of God is a manifest. Three things that God's. Whew, the three things about God's presence. Number one, it brings a manifestation of God's goodness into your life. When I learn to host the presence of God. He begins to manifest his goodness in my life. Number two, there's an essence, a reality of his presence that begins to appear on my life. And number three is there's a manifestation of power that comes upon my life. Amen? So many are attracted to the power, but we have to first learn how to romance his presence, amen? How to host that. But a natural byproduct of his presence is power. Would you agree? Can God 
help me in my life through the presence of God. Our practical everyday life can be transformed. Our families can be transformed as we learn how to host His presence. It's the craziest thing. People that would have terrible children problems, their, their kids are unruly and all that, they get saved, they encounter the Holy Spirit, they learn how to pray and begin to seek the Lord. The presence of God begins to dominate their life. Next thing you know, their home is transformed into a peaceful home because God gives the wisdom on how to correct that. Your business is suffering. You begin to seek the Lord. He be, you begin to wait upon Him. You begin to seek, right? You ask, seek, and knock. You begin to knock. You wait upon Him. You have God encounters. The Lord starts to remind you of accounts that you forgot, billings you didn't send, right? I remember one time I, I was, uh, when I was in business, there I am, it was a real slow time, and I didn't know what to do, so I shut my blinds, locked my office door, put on some worship, and I'd lay on the floor. I used to do that a lot, because success in business came from carpet time, you know? Oh, we, you know, we tried to hone our skills, we tried to take classes on sales and uh, learning our, our products and all that, but the great advantage was when I would connect with the Lord. There I was, laying in His presence. I say, okay, God, I need some help today. And I'm laying there for some time, about 45 minutes, waiting on Him, waiting on Him, waiting on Him. All that I need is a word. That's it, just a word, just a thought. And in the midst of that time, I remember just as plain as could be, He told me about a company that I had contacted like two, three years before, and he said, they're ready. And he said, but don't try to sell your products, try to sell a solution. That's what he told me. Don't try to sell your products, sell a solution. So I called them, and they were open. I set up an appointment, I flew down and see them, and they bought after the first meeting, which was pretty much unheard of. These were systems that were anywhere from 100 to like four or $500,000. That came from seeking the Lord. Can God help us in our everyday practical life? That's the point. He can do the dynamic, but He can also do the simple, practical things. I was in uh, getting a haircut this week, and I went in, and, and uh, my, the lady that always cuts my hair wasn't there, and I thought, well, I'll try this other lady. She's a nice lady. She had cut it before. So I sit down, and She's going to cut my hair, and she starts the chainsaw, you know, the, the, the weed whacker. And uh, they always ask that difficult question, you know, like, what do you want me to do with that? And it's like, so she's cutting my hair, and she begins to talk to me, and then I'm asking her, and I was telling her about Africa, and trying to warm up, and sharing some things that God did, and I asked her how her Christmas was going, and she said, as good as it can be. And I said, well, what, what does that mean? And she began to tell me a story and how her husband was injured, and it was very sad. And, and, uh, and I thought, good Lord, you know, 
here I am just, just talking away, and I had no idea she had all this stuff going on. She had to deal with. She had kids, and she had a you know, problem at home. So I began to give her hope and encourage her because the greatest thing that can change your life is the presence of God. Amen? So it was good. We had a really good talk, and then I went to leave, and then Ben got me in trouble because he's talking about God had him give a $100 bill away. I had a secret $100 bill tucked in my wallet, and the Lord said to me, he said, she's going through a really hard time. He said, that 100 to you will be replaced. He said, that 100 to her will touch her deeply. So we get all done, and I hit the thing, and I, it says, do you want to put a tip in there? And I said, no. And uh, so I, I, she looked at me, and I said, thank you very much, and I left. That was a great story. <laughs> the presence of God started to come upon me, I'm telling you. <laughs> I grabbed that hundred, you know, and I put it in my hand, and I'm not kidding you. This stuff messes me up. We get done, and she's ringing me up, and I start tearing up. And uh, I'm like, how am I going to talk to her? I have the $100 bill in my hand, and finally I looked up, and I looked in her eyes, and I said, I said, you've been through a lot, and I just want to bless you now. I said, this is for you and your husband to get something for you. And uh, I started crying, and then she just looked at me, and then she was all messed up, so I, I left because I didn't want to make it uncomfortable. She darted off to the back room. But you see, the presence of God can do that. I could have just got a haircut and left, but the Lord came, and He wanted to minister to her. The presence of God was on me, and then it jumped on her through an act of kindness. I'd like you to stand up. Oh, this story messed me up. This is what the world needs to hear today. Isaiah 40, 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Haven't you heard about him? He's the savior of my soul. He's the one that changed my whole life. The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. Can I have somebody on the piano? That'd be great. You know, the Packers play today. Come on. Lord, help the Packers. Who, who are they playing? Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, that's right. I, I hope that, well, I won't say that. <laughs> they did? <laughs> have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary, his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth 
shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings of eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. This is what I want to do. The Lord said to do this. Uh, there's people that need to, to go, I know. We're around a holiday season. But I felt like the Lord said, if you open up the altar at the end, he said, I'll visit with some people. I'd like the ministry team to come up around the front. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray a prayer to dismiss. But I believe that if you want to seek him, we're just going to maybe worship a little bit up here. I believe that you're going to have an encounter with him today. You're going to have an encounter with him. If you've been stuck and you've felt like you needed a breakthrough, I want to give you that opportunity to come up and have a breakthrough. Maybe you've felt like your walk with God is on hold. I want you to come up and break that pattern. It's the season that God is calling you in to get close to Him. And He's going to teach you more in this season. You're going to have more breakthroughs in this season walking in the Spirit than you have your whole life. Amen? All right. So, Father, we just wait upon you. But, Lord, I ask that your presence come upon the people here. God, we give you this church. We give you everything we do, Lord. I want it to be under your presence, guided by your hand, filled with your love. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would invade this house. I ask that the presence of God would come and move upon each person now. And even those that are going to leave God, be with them, bless them. Let them carry the presence as they go through the holidays. In the mighty name of Jesus. God bless you guys. I like those that want, we're going to pray for you up here. For those that want to press in, I want you to come up. We're just going to go around and pray for you. I want the ministry team to be up here to pray for you. I think God's going to touch some people. Amen. God bless you. Have a good day.